hallelujah. What an amazing song. And I agree with Crescinda. You know, history is literally being made every day. You know, I, I, I'm not what you call a history buff, but I have to do enough of it in order to, to understand certain things that go along with Scripture, especially the end time stuff. And, uh, you know, you could go back 100 years ago, and one of the things that you'd find is that there was very little history being made. People were living lives to just try to make a living, doing what they could just to get by day to day. And there were things going on, but, but not on the scale today. Today, there's new inventions. There's a new invention almost every day. There's something new that comes out. There's something new with the stock market. There's something new in the government and the politics. There's something happening that's devastating in weather patterns. I mean, we can go on and on, and it's making history as we know it. And I'm with Crescenda. You can get left or you can be on the right side. I want to be on the right side of the, uh, of the things of God. Amen. Oh, Lord, we praise you. Oh, Lord. Lord, I know that when, when the day comes when we bow our knee before you and declare you as Lord and Savior, it will be something that, Lord, that we will, that will rail against history. And, Lord, people that God that choose, that choose to refuse you today, Lord, they will acknowledge you at a time when, Lord, it may be too late. I pray that today that this message, that these words, these truths that I speak of today, that God, that it will minister to multitudes of lives and it will spread like a wildfire and touch hearts. Because, Lord, there's only one opportunity in this life and it's the one that we live, the one that where we're breathing at this moment to give our complete lives and hearts to you. Lord Jesus, we need you more than ever. We love you, Lord, and I praise you. And Lord, we'll continue to worship you. Hallelujah. We're going to choose. We choose to be on the right side. We choose to be on the right side, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I pray that this word go forth in power. In Jesus' name, that it spread far beyond, Lord, this Sunday service. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You love Jesus? Then give him a hand clap and you may be seated. Praise the Lord. Uh, thank you, worship team. That is so good. Good stuff. Well, I, uh, I mean, I don't normally draw attention to my shoes, but I washed, cleaned my shoes today. Problem is, with cleaning them, they got wet. And so my socks are wet, right? Now. So I'm walking in wet shoes. <laughs> so if you hear that little sloshy sound, you know why. That's me, okay? So uh, anyway, <laughs> and God is still good. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So anyway, uh, has God been good to you? Amen. I believe that he has. And I know he's been good to you even in troubled times. And so uh, today... I want to give a message. I know that a lot of people that are probably on Easter vacation, because I know it's the last week for a lot of kids to be out of school and stuff, but either way, that they'll be able to go back and re-listen to this. And uh, I want to bring up some important points on this mark, you know, the mark of the beast. And some of the things that I want to share with you today, you, they, they, there may be other ministers saying that these are some deeper revelations that I believe that the Lord has shown me. I'm going to tell you that I'm not 100% accurate, so I give the disclaimer. Uh, but there's some things that I do see associated with this mark. Uh, 
And if we look at the Antichrist and his end goal, I believe that we'll see some things that we can attribute to him and what his main purpose is and goal is of this mark that he's going to give out. So today I'm going to do my very best to relate uh, in ways that I believe that we can currently see and experience in this present time. So again, I know that there's probably some end time scholars that could debate. I'm not here to debate. I'm not here to try to present something so new just for the sake of presenting new information. But I do believe that there is more to this than we even understand. And uh, I believe that it goes at a much deeper level. And if we look into the scripture, we can easily see how people are going to be swayed by the mark, or by the Antichrist to take the mark. Um, and you're going to even hear some things, like I said, that you may have never heard. Um, I know that there are a few teachers and scholars out there, they all give their variations, and I'm not saying that they're wrong. That's not my point, is to prove somebody wrong. My point is just to share with you what I believe that I've seen in Scripture. And as I studied, I realized that the mark uh, in Satan and the Antichrist, there's some similarities between that and the seal of God. And so I'm going to share some things today that I believe that, that might be, like I said, new to you, but I believe that they're important because of the, what the Scripture tells us. So I'm going to start reading uh, Revelations 13. This has been the core Scripture that we've been utilizing to talk about this specifically, the four beasts and the mark itself. And so I'm going to read verse 16 of chapter 13 of Revelations, and it says, He causes all, both great and small. So he causes all. So we're talking, it doesn't say a few, it doesn't say some, it doesn't say a select individuals. It's talking about all. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads. So I want to share with you some things because this word for causes is interesting. As I begin to look at it, I believe that this is a very watered-down version. As I was studying, it's a watered-down version, and I believe that, the, uh, that this text doesn't give us the strongest uh, correlation or meaning of what I believe that this word is. But the word causes in the Greek is poieo. And poieo is meaning, it means to make or do, make commit or agree, secure with full authority or transgress the law or perform. So in other words, the Antichrist, I believe, when you look at this word, the word cause in my mind, if I'm just reading it, in the, in the text and the way it's presented. It's, in other words, he's going to do something that's, that's going to cause you to do it, you know? But here, the word causes at a much stronger level. In other words, he's going to make you do it, okay? He's not going to do something that's going to just draw you in. He's going to do something that's going to make you take it. And so there's a difference in the strength of this word in the, than what it is in the text today, than what it was in the original text. And so, let me tell you, he's going to use full authoritative power to make people transgress. In other words, forsake their personal values. And he's going to make them go against their better judgment. You know how many people are going to go in and enter into tribulation, and at that point of the mid-tribulation, the Antichrist isn't going to say, hey, would you guys like the mark? What's he going to do to get that mark on everybody's hell foreheads? And it says all. 
And how is it that that's going to happen? Let me tell you, there's going to be a lot of people that still have common sense when they get into the tribulation. They just weren't wise enough to choose Jesus in order to escape it. That's all. But they'll have common sense. And they're going to see the Antichrist for what he is, and they're going to say, no way. That's not who I There's no way I would bow to him. But this scripture says that the Antichrist already knows that many will make that decision, and he's going to cause you. He's going to make you. He's going to make you transgress the law. You see, if people think it's hard to serve the Lord right now, it is not that hard. I promise you, it is not that hard. You see, you and I live in a free country, so it's really hard for us to disassociate what it's like to live in a country where, where they have formed, where, where we're talking about policies and rules that require you to submit to an authority. In our country, we don't. We have laws that protect us from the authority. That's why it's called a republic. Okay? And therefore, it's, we go through a democratic process because of this republic. Most countries don't live under a republic. They live under some sort of anarchy or dictatorship of some sort, some, more, some sort of communism. They live under something that is completely separate from the way American people live. And so a lot of times, American people just have a hard time grasping what it's going to be like. Let me tell you something. I believe that there are going to be probably more Americans that are going to enter into the tribulation than people of the of foreign world. Why? Because people in a foreign country, they've only got two options. They're either going to submit to their authority or they're going to serve Jesus, the ultimate authority. In our country, you don't have to serve nobody. When in reality, by the way, you're still serving Satan. And so here's what, I, what you've got to understand is that this governing authority that will take place when the, when the Antichrist moves from the, uh, Iraq and he moves into Jerusalem, he's going to have complete authority. And why is that? Because we're gonna, the 144,000 will be gone and so will the two witnesses, which means the working of the Holy Spirit within man is done. It's done. So watch. I want to share with you some things because it's going to mean possession. So what does that mean when we're talking possession? It means he owns you and he controls you. Once a person takes the mark, the Antichrist will own you and control you. You'll have a limited ability to move about without his overreach into your life. Look, most of us right now are fighting for more laws that keep the government from reaching into our lives right now. That's why we, we can't stand it when we think the government is play, putting their hands into our business, right? We still, we have that ability to fight that. This time will come, you can fight it all you want. It just means you will die. Okay? He controls your life and he owns your soul. In fact, possession means no turning, it means that there'll be no turning back. Watch what Revelation 14 says Verses 9 through 11, it says, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall drink the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever. And they have no rest. So this is talking about those that will end up being in hell or the lake of fire. Watch this. And it says, And they will have no rest day or night who worshiped the beast and his image and whoever received the mark of his name. Look, once you have, once, 
once he has you in his possession, there's no turning back. There's no turning around. He who cannot change your mind once the mark has been implemented. And so I have some things I want to share with you as to, believe, as to why I believe that. So if he causes you to take the mark, then he has a reason and a purpose for it to be required by his adherence. And here's the uh, part of the reasons why I believe. It's to possess you. In other words, and possession in this frame of mind that I'm talking about comes across all planes of the human nature. You're made up of spirit, soul, and body. You're made up of spirit, soul, and body. So he wants to take you mentally, physically, and spiritually. So what does it mean when we're talking the mind or the soul? In other words, he's going to force you into believing that there's no other option that makes sense without the mark. We know that during this time, that there's all throughout Revelations, it talks about his personal deception. Revelations 13 uses the word deception twice. He will deceive many. He will deceive the nations. We're talking about complete deception. He's going to convince people that this mark is extremely, extremely important and vital. And why is that? Well, there's many different reasons. But it will be presented in a way by the Antichrist as a logical ideology and logistical means for living. In other words, remember, why would he be able to do this? Remember, hundreds of millions, if not billions of people have left planet Earth at this time. Okay? There's been a rapture. Then the 144,000 have been uh, raptured. The two witnesses rose back, and then they're gone. All of a sudden, there's this resurrection, and, and, and there's a resurrection of the dead. We're seeing several things taking place at this time. And all of a sudden... The Antichrist comes out, and he's making it for those that really don't know about church, that haven't been exposed to these things, that didn't hear about these truths, didn't know about revelations in the tribulation. He's going to come in, and it's going to be logistical in the sense. Most likely, it'll be the Antichrist will use the media to sway sway people about... Oh, and, and let me just say this. It, the, he's going to use stuff like, well, it's alien abduction. You know why the Antichrist is going to work in so many signs and lying wonders? Because he wants you to know that if there is an alien force out there, he's more powerful. So you need to serve me. So there's a lot of different ways he's going to present this. One of them is logistically. One of them is logically. So he will make it tantalizing to the senses for you to take the mark because it will be to your advantage. You're going to need it for buying and selling, according to Scripture. Watch what it says in Revelations 13, 11. It says, And I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke like a dragon. He exercises all authority of the first beast in the presence. He makes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose fatal wound was healed. He performs great signs, even making fire come out of the sky to the earth in the sight of the people. Watch this, verse 14. He deceives. In other words, he's going to use signs as a means of capturing the minds of men. My, pe- my own people who dwell on the earth because of the signs he was granted to do in front of the beast. Look, he wants to own your mind. He wants to possess your mind. He wants you to believe everything he's selling you and telling you. So his ultimate goal is to put this deception out there. He's going to appeal to your mind. How many of you have bought something that you, that you went into the store to look at, but you never intended to buy? If a salesman's good enough to get you to buy something you didn't even intend to buy, how much better the Antichrist when he presents all of these things? People are missing, folks. 
You're going to need it to buy and sell. We'll be able to under, we'll know where you're at if you do go missing. You see, there's a lot of logistics here that are going on. Logistically. So he's going to present it. So in natural reality, what's he going to do? He's also going to display it through his signs and wonders. Look, I'm powerful enough to protect you. That's all these signs and wonders are for. It's, it's a false sense of security. It's all, all it is. So he wants to possess your thoughts so much that the only thing that you'll care about is serving the Antichrist and being connected to the beast system. Okay? But then, secondly, physically, okay, so why is it important that he possess you physically? Well, let's understand something. He's going to need an army for war. Remember, he's a, he's, a warring, he's a warring enemy. We know the Antichrist is about war. We see this, in, I believe, in Revelation 6. We see it in Revelation uh, 14 and, verse, and chapter 16. We see that he's a, there's a warring component. Uh, he wants in his possession a warring component to protect his empire. And it will require people who are armed and ready to defend and execute his directives. In other words, remember what the Antichrist, watch this, Revelation 16 and verse 13 and 14. I saw coming up out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet, three unclean spirits to gather them for war. That great day of God, the Almighty. So he's preparing to battle God. And guess who he's going to use? People. And he's going to use demon spirits to gather them, to do this, to pull them into war. We know where the battle is going to be. We already know where Megiddo is. The battle of Armageddon will take place. It's just outside of Israel, just outside of, uh, and it's a huge area where the, all of the world is going to converge. And the blood is going to be so deep that it'll be up to the uh, horse's bridle. And if the horse averages between three to five feet or six feet tall at the bridle, trust me, can you imagine? being in a pool of blood that you'll drown in, that's how much blood will fill it. And it's a huge area. And he's going to take all of his little adherents, and they're going to die there. Every one of them are going to die. Every one of them that have the mark will die right there because they're going to show up. And so we know that his, the, his ultimate is to receive glory through worship. So people will also be required to bow and acknowledge him as Lord. They will, it will be a one-world religion. Watch this, Revelations uh, 13, uh, verses 3 and 4, it says, They worshiped the dragon because he gave his authority to the beast, and they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Verse 12, He makes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the beast. Look, he wants to control your worship. He wants to control who you serve. It's all about having physical bodies to do that. Satan can't get any glory if there's nobody to honor him. Okay, so no one will be able to buy or sell without the mark, meaning that they will have jobs to do. He doesn't need just people for war, uh, war and worship. What else? Work. He's got jobs that need to be done during this time. He doesn't need to just have people go to war. He needs people to make the instruments of war. He needs to make more tanks. He's going to probably need to make more mar uh, artillery. He's going to need to make things. He's going to have clothing spe specific to them. He's going to have to have ships or whatever they use for the mark, that implement. He's got to have people working. He's got to have stores open so they can buy and sell food. There's people working at this time. And guess who they're working for? They're working for the Antichrist. And again, 
He has world domination on his mind, and it will be a one-world order with a one-world leader. Okay? He wants to control you where you go, what you say, and what you do. He wants you to control every part of your life. But now here's one that I want, I want to share with you. Because he wants to possess your mind. He wants to possess your body. In other words, he wants to own you and control you. But I believe that there's another level that's much deeper. And I want to share some things with you that maybe you've never heard. And I've got some scripture. And I know that there's more in scripture. But I didn't have time to go through and look up for every one of them. But I believe that there's a component that we need to understand. That when you take the mark, that you didn't just, he doesn't just own you. You sold your soul to him. Okay? Because remember, once you take the mark, there's no turning back. Once you take it, you can't go back. And I've always asked, why can't you go back? If it's in your hand or your forehead, why not just chop off my hand? And if it got placed in my I should be okay. But that's not the case. Watch this. Once you accept the mark, you can no longer turn back according to Scripture. So I want to make a point maybe you've never heard, but I believe that there's enough evidence to show that it's possible. And this is just my opinion. Um, but I believe that this possession that I'm suggesting here is a little bit more sinister. Watch this in Revelations 13, verses 10 and 11. And it says, He also will drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is prepared unmixed in the cup of his anger. He will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. The smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. They have no rest day or night, those who worship the beast in his image and whoever receives the mark in his name. So at this time, a person will be completely surrendered, we see here. We see that they're not only completely surrendered, but they're going to pay for it by God. So he re remember, it's not that just Satan recognizes the mark. It's the fact that God also recognizes the mark because he recognizes that it's a total allegiance to Satan. And so, and because you can't turn back, I, I, you know, understand this. Remember this, is that the work of grace was done when the church was raptured, okay? What is grace? Grace is not only just an empowering agent. Now, I'm going to teach you something here. Grace is not only the empowering agent that keeps you strong enough to defeat sin, but it's also the empower, a covering agent that protects you from wrath. And it protects you from the work of the enemy. So it's, not just, it's just not an agent that gives you the strength to overcome. It's also something that also protects you. So when you have grace, there are certain things that Satan is limited doing. This is why Satan can't destroy the church right now physically. He can't walk through this door and just start chopping off your heads in the spirit. He can't do that. He can't just possess you. Why is that? Because grace by which you are saved. What is salvation? It means that you are completely under the control of God and that you are completely protected. When you save somebody from a burning fire, you save them. In other words, you pulled them from something. You protected You got them out of harm's way. That's what our salvation is even in the spirit. So when grace saved you, it pulls you out of harm's way. That's why Satan just can't go in, infect you right now with cancer, and you drop dead in five minutes. It's an impossibility. He doesn't have that kind of power. So because you have grace. And so grace is this empowering agent. And so what happens is, is that we are now in the middle of tribulation and grace is done. 
You know, I hear ministers all the time saying, well, people will get saved. And I know that there's no salvation in tribulation. There's no church in tribulation. They misunderstand what, what it means by when the scripture says in, the, in Revelations, saints. Saints are just individuals who choose to serve God. That doesn't make them spirit-filled. How do I know? Because even the term saints was used in the Old Testament. And people weren't spirit-filled. It was just a reference to anyone who serves the Lord. But the age of grace is done after Revelations 3 when the last church was talked about. We never see the term ecclesia ever mentioned again. Why is this important? Because without that grace and empowering agent, I wonder what kind of power Satan will have over people. It changes everything, people. It changes everything as we know it. So... And, I've, and let me just say this. I believe people will be possessed with devils and will never consider even turning back or giving up their new world leader, their new world religion, their new world ideology and philosophy. Anytime you worship in the occult, now watch. Anytime you worship in the occult, and worship is something that you do to idols, okay? That's what worship is, okay, in, in the occult. Okay, let me rephrase that. Occultic worship is idol worship. Plain and simple, okay? And what happens is, is you open the door to demons. Now, I've personally dealt with people who've been in the occult or dabbled in the occult. And I have not met one person who has not dabbled in the occult who's not possessed. I've never met one. That's, so imagine, you're going to worship the beast image. That's an occultic worship. okay. So if it's an occultic worship to worship something other than God, you are dabbling into witchcraft. And if you're dabbling in witchcraft, you're opening your spirit man and saying, I accept whatever it is that idol or that demon or that leader has to offer to me. Just like when you gave your life to the Lord, what happened? He came in and indwelled within you. That's why we worship the Lord. So that way he will be the one that dwells within us. Do you understand? So a lot of ministers, I haven't heard any ministers really say this, but I believe that the moment somebody takes the mark, you've not only just swore your allegiance, but now you're practicing his worship, you're practicing, you're part of his work, and you're part of his plan for war. What you've done is you've completely surrendered your personal will, and you've opened up your spirit, which is your heart, part of your heart, and demons come in. And I believe that that's why he will not only control you emotionally and mentally and physically, but spiritually also. And that's why people will never desire to ever turn back. Because I always wonder, why won't they turn back? How come they can't? How come they just can't dig into there where that mark is and pull it out? And that would be because they won't even want to. They'll be completely possessed, energized, strengthened, and occupied by devils. Think about that. So, like I said... Uh, I can't be sure 100%, but it's interesting that they can't turn back, and what are they doing is through worship, idol worship. In fact, in verse 15 of Revelation 3, it says, The image of the beast should both speak and cause as many wouldn't serve the image of the beast to be killed. Why? Because there's still people that didn't take the mark, and they have enough common sense to know that that's a cultic worship. They just missed the rapture. Watch this. And it says, He causes all the small and great, rich and poor and free and slave to be given marks on their right hands or their foreheads. 
You see, all idol worship, according to Scripture, is an abomination to the Lord. This is what it's talking about when it's talking about the abomination that leads to desolation in Matthew chapter 24. In Daniel chapter 7, this is the abomination that leads to desolation. Jerusalem will become desolate the moment they start worshiping the beast image in Jerusalem. I know I'm giving a lot of extra here. That's not what I want to do. But my point is that we're going to see, well, we won't, but there's going to be people that are going to be completely possessed by devils, I believe. I'm telling you, if you guys think this is going to be easy, I'm amazed how many people will play with their life and not ever think two minutes about really what the future looks like. You say, well, what if I die before then? It doesn't matter. Can you, bef- can you afford to stand before God not of receiving him? I, no way. No way. Um, Psalms 97.7 says this. It says, let all be put to shame who served carved images or who boast of the idols. First Samuel 15.23 says, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as the iniquity of idolatry. And because you've rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you. You want to be rejected? Serve an idol. Here's another point. Watch this. Revelation 16, verses 13 through 14. <clears throat> this is just to prove my point. I saw coming up out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet, watch this, all three of them, three unclean spirits, something like frogs. So whatever these demonic spirits were that came out of their mouth, they look like frogs in the spirit to John, okay? Now watch what it says. For they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the king's. Leaders of nations, they're going to literally go out and infect kings. So even your leaders that aren't serving the Lord, that are left behind, are going to tell you, we need to swear our allegiance to the Antichrist. Even your fearless leaders that that we have vote on, if they don't make it in the rapture, they're going to be the ones on television saying, look, we've got a man who can take care of us. And he'll be a one world leader. It says these frogs, these demons are going to go out and... literally possess them watch this and it says out to the kings of the whole inhabited earth in other words all the people so these things when you adhere to it and you listen to it and you agree with it and you accept it then you receive it and these demons enter in to gather them together for the war of the great day of god the almighty how are they going to gather them When you're possessed, you'll follow because you're not in control anymore. These demons are released from these mouths of these beasts. One last passage of Scripture, Revelation 17, verses 12 through 17. This is really important. Then the ten horns that you saw are ten kings who have received the kingdom as yet, but they receive authority as kings with the beast for one hour. Watch this. It says, these have one mind. Keep that in mind. And they give their power and authority to the beast. These will war against the lamb, and the lamb will overcome them. Again, we're talking about this war, but it's interesting. They all have one mind. Okay, watch this. He said to me, the waters which you see where where the prostitute sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and languages. So they've prostituted themselves to these leaders. 
The ten horns which you saw and the beast, these will hate the prostitute, will make her desolate, will strip her naked and eat her flesh, and will burn her utterly with fire. For God has put in their hearts to do what, has, what he has in mind, to be of one mind and to give their kingdom to the beast. That word one mind is interesting. It's the word mia in the Greek, which, mean, which is interesting because it means to completely agree or to be first. In other words, or means to be certain of. You know, it's the same thing that when we're in one mind and one accord, it's the same thing. How are we in one mind and one accord? You know, that when they're one mind and one accord is because the Holy Spirit was working on them. You see, they're going to be in completely one mind because I believe these spirits will possess them. They'll all be in complete agreement. The Antichrist said this, we bow. They're going to be almost like robots because they're going to be completely engulfed into demonic possession. Remember, he owns you and controls you. There's no turning back, and he won't just own you. If he possesses you spiritually, he owns your physical body and your emotional, your soul too. So, I do believe this for a reason, and it's quite possible for Satan to have possession of your spirit, soul, and body during the Great Tribulation simply because we see the work of the Holy Spirit at this time is not at work inside of man. There's no passage or scripture that proves this. So I believe the ultimate is for Satan to possess, possess everybody. So what does this mean? So what is the mark? First of all, it's a copycat. Remember, Satan can't, Satan's not good enough to invent things of his own, Okay. If he was that good, we don't need God. Why? Because he would probably provide something better than God, but he doesn't. Satan can't provide you an eternity. He can only put you into an eternity you don't want. He can provide you with a false miracle. He can provide you with a lie that sounds truth and tempting. He can provide you with a lot of things that are like God, but they're nothing like God at all. In fact, Satan is so good at using his lie, he actually uses God's words against his own people. You don't believe me? Just go back to the garden. What do you do? Go, well, surely you won't die. And if that wasn't enough, then, Jesus, then, then Satan meets Jesus in the wilderness. And what's he say? He starts quoting scripture. But he never finishes anything. And they're half-truths. You know, if you'll bow to me. You know, or no, if you just tell these rocks to turn to bread. You'll basically have food, and here's what I'll do for you. Basically, if you, 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 if you jump from this tall building, you won't dash your, you know, you won't dash your uh, head on the stone, but the angels will catch you. He's quoting scripture. Isn't that just like Satan, to use the word against you? You've got to be extremely careful because everything he does is a copycat. He can't invent his own things. He's not good enough. He's good enough to inv invent a narrative based off truths that God already gave. But he's not good enough to invent his own truth. Remember that. He's not that smart. So the beast or the false prophet, I believe he's going to use a copycat things in Scripture that are similar to the work of the Holy Spirit because the mark of the beast is a copycat of the Holy Spirit's seal of the believer. And I'm going to share this in a second. Uh, the Holy Spirit's seal is his work within our hearts and minds. Um, and basically the seal of our salvation is the result of the Holy Spirit. It's a spiritual seal. Do you realize that all of you, because you serve Jesus, have a seal upon you? That's what Scripture says. And you're sealed. And the beast of Revelation 13, the prophet's seal, is called the mark. And it will be a copycat seal and is an actually a physical mark implemented by natural means. Where ours is a spiritual seal implemented by spiritual means. But it's still a copycat. Okay? 
So watch this. One of the things you're going to find with all people who were sealed by the Spirit is that they have the Holy Spirit in them. So you have the Holy Spirit in you. Because the salvation experience that the Holy Spirit takes, uh, the experience is that the Holy Spirit takes residence within our person and he lives and dwells within us. It also is a seal of protection over us. Watch what John chapter 6 verse 27 says. Do not labor for food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life. What food is that? The word of God. Which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal upon you or upon him. Watch this. The word seal in the Greek is the word phrasio or phragus. Basically, it's an emblem of ownership and security combined with a destination. Think about that. So basically what it means is, is that God not only has promised you to protect you, but it also means that he also has a plan for your future with that, because of that seal. That's a good deal. That means that if you have the seal of God on you, he has a promise for you. It's an eternity with him. That's an eternity with him. In other words, you are secured from destruction and you're marked for reward. Wow. And it's a true authentication, authentication over a person and the Holy Spirit's work in the life of a believer or a follower or a Christian who serves Christ. So what is it? It's identity or identification. Okay, watch 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19 says this. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands. Having this seal, the Lord knows those who are his. You know how he knows who you are his? Because he sees his seal on you. He not only sees his seal, he knows that if his seal is on you, that you are identified with him. It's your personal identification. So because of this seal, it's known who you belong to. It's the identification of a believer. It's the distinguishing mark in the spirit realm. It's a distinguishing mark. It separates the believer from the non-believer, the Christian from the world. And scripture says this, you will know them by their fruit. How do you produce fruit? It's an impossibility to produce true joy, love, peace, rest, kindness, self-control without the Holy Spirit seal on you, by the way. It's an impossibility. And so um, the mark is also, now here's the interesting thing, because the mark is also an identifier, okay, of those who serve the beast and those who do not. Why do you think Satan needs a physical emblem or something on you? You know, a lot of people say, well, it's a chip. Okay, I'm not saying that it's not some sort of technology, but according to Scripture, it's on the skin. That's what it says. It's on your hand or your forehead. So that... If that word on is true, it looks like in the Greek when I've looked at it, that's the proper word. It doesn't say in, it says on. So why is that? Because Satan doesn't know what's on the inside of a person unless he can see it on the outside. He's not that good. God, Satan can't see your heart. God does not allow Satan to ever see even the worst of hearts. He sees your actions. This is why, how do we know Christians? By their fruit. Because fruit is displayed by the action of our life. Satan's, that's as good as he gets too. He can only tell by the action of your life, by the way you talk, by the way you walk, by the way you act, the way you think. Let me tell you something, Christians. You better be careful how you talk. Because you're exposing yourself to the devil. You better be careful where you walk because you're exposing yourself to the devil. And we think, oh man, I'm a Christian. I don't care what you think your heart is. If your walk and your talk don't line up with God's will, you may not be serving him. It's extremely important because Satan is not good enough to see the heart. He has to see the actions. He has to hear your talk. The mark is an identifier for those who serve the beast 
just as the seal is an identifier of those who serve Christ. So you will know those who are devout followers of the Antichrist by their walk and their talk. The mark is just an outward expression of who they identify with. So this mark is going to be an outward thing. Now, I'm going to get into some stuff here in just a little bit. No, I probably won't today. Let me ask you all something. Is this interesting enough for me to keep going even if I can't finish it next week? Are we good? Okay. Okay, the reason I asked is because if you guys are kind of getting bored, we'll go on to something else. I had originally planned to stop, uh, finish this like two, three weeks ago, but, you know, I already know I need this week and next week, and now I'm not even sure. I'm looking at my... Anyway. <laughs> so if we go an extra, we're good? Okay. But look, so this mark, anyway, um, it's an identifier because remember, Satan can't see the inside of a person. He's going to need an outward, outward mark to identify you, even himself, including the people around him. You know, you can act like the devil, but that doesn't mean during that time you're associated with the devil. How do I know this? You know how many people will still die without God that will be beheaded? Just because you don't take the mark doesn't mean you go to heaven. <clears throat> it's no different than today. You, you can go to church and act like a Christian. That don't make you a Christian. It's what you do with him on your heart. And so here's the point. What you do with him in your heart has a lot to do with who you're identified with. So here's the point. You can be in the tribulation period, and if your heart isn't still tender for the Lord, when you get beheaded, beheaded you still don't go see the Lord. You just found another way to be in hell with Satan in the future. That's all. That's all. And so your identity will be tied to this dictator, and it will separate you from those who do not, do, do not identify with this new world order. Okay? It's also a promise. Of, it's also a promise of protection, and it also gives you a, a purpose. Watch this. <clears throat> Ephesians 1.13, it says, You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You see, the seal of God is a promise that, um, that God is obligated to keep if we serve him. Do you realize that God obligates himself to us? If you serve him, he automatically allows you in on his promises. Think about it. Anybody who's in my home has certain advantages that people that don't live in my home or access even to things, right? I mean, come on, you're not going to allow just somebody walk, knock, open up your door, walk in, start eating the food on your kitchen and use your TV. That would never happen because you owe nothing to them, right? It's the same way with the things of God is that what happens is, is that when you are a Christian, you are a God's obligated to allow you access to things that others aren't allowed to have. And so he gives you access to his refrigerator. I hope it's a big one. <laughs> I hope it's a big one with a lot of food, good food. But you see, he allows you that access. So here's the point is that the Antichrist also makes promises to anyone who accepts the mark. He will be making promises. I guarantee you. What are the guarantees? I guarantee you protection. I guarantee you that you'll have a job. I guarantee you that I'll take care of you. I guarantee you that you'll be able to eat and drink when nobody else will. And, and so what happens? He's going to kill off people for one, re one, of, the, one of the main reasons. He's going to kill them off so that way you can eat. You know how many of people will be like, kill them. They don't want to follow you, kill them. When deep down, it's like, at least I'll eat. You understand? There's, there's a lot of ways to this psychological mess that Satan is going to create during this time, and a lot of people will fall for this psychological stuff. He'll fall. It's psychological warfare. 
So work can be attained with the mark. Protection from a foreign entity will be guaranteed with the mark. And there'll be a lie that, 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 that he will sell everyone who is willing to forsake what they know is true even for something that gives them a sense of purpose. Man, don't worry, you're going to have a job. We're going to get this, we're going to get all this stuff taken care of and you're going to, you know, you'll be able to invest, you'll be able to live your life and it's just going to be a lie. There's not going to be one moment of rest during tribulation, but he's going to promise it that there will. If we can all come together, I promise this utopia. He's going to promise something that he can't keep. In fact, I don't believe he has any, any desire to keep it because he's a liar. So in reality, Satan is just exploiting the time period that everyone is living in and using people to his advantage. That's all he's doing. He's exploiting it. Look, many believe aliens will believe aliens have come. He's got to promise you that he can protect you from foreign entities. He's got to pr promise you that we can bring the world together and be one. You know what's the top thing since the 60s that has been, it's been at the top that we can all just be one at peace. That was what the hippie movement was about, was peace, love, and light. That was the, that was the hippie movement. That flower power, what was it? It was to promote this non-reality of peace. And what do they have? They have the peace symbol, which, by the way, is just an upside-down cross with, its, with it broken. It's a rebellion against God. That's all it is. It's an upside-down cross because they're basically saying Christ couldn't give us the peace that we thought he was going to give us so we can create a better world. And so this hippie mentality is still promoted even in today's world. You know, we need to bring the world together. We need peace. There's not ever going to be peace. There's not one area of Scripture where the world is completely at peace until we enter the millennium. That's it. So get rid of that. Why? Because there are evil people that hate our God. And as long as they hate our God, they're always looking for a reason to start fights. How do I know that? Because you have friends and family that are the same way. Right? You go to their house, and what do they do? They start an argument. And you're like, what's the argument about? And, you, and they probably don't even serve the Lord. And you're like, why are they always fighting? Because they don't have the peace of God in them. They don't have the peace of God, but they're looking for an exterior peace, but they're not looking for inner peace. They can only from Jesus. They're also, it's also provision. You see, you can't even buy or sell during this time. Basically, if you want to eat, you must take the mark. If you want to earn a living, you want to be an owner of a business, you're going to need the mark to make money. I believe that Satan can see. Let me just say this. I do believe that Satan can see the seal on every one of you. And I believe that that's why he can't take you out physically. That's why it's important that we go when the first when the first bus comes through, okay? When, when the Lord comes through, make sure you've got your ticket ready. And your ticket is that seal. Because remember what the seal means? It's also talking about your future. Uh, the meaning Satan himself cannot, so Satan can't take you out. He hates you, especially since you represent Christ and your identity is in Christ. Watch what John 15, 18 says. It says, if the world hated you, you know that it hated me first. So even Jesus knows why does the world hate you? Because you carry a distinguishing mark about you that they don't have. We see that God will also seal the 144,000 according to Revelation 7 verses 2 through 4. And it says that the 144,000 were sealed. Why were they sealed? Because it's God's divine protection. And guess what? He also had a plan for their future. That's why they got raptured. So the seal comes with a promise of protection and a purpose. By the way, so does the mark. It's a copycat. 
is supposed to be just like the seal of God on your life, it's the same thing. It's, it's literally Satan's seal upon his, on the people that will follow him. We know that uh, Cain had a mark. Go back to Genesis chapter 3. Cain was placed a mark on him. Now watch what that mark did. It protected him. You know why? Because Cain was even saying, God, they're going to kill me because I killed my brother. Why was that so big? Because Abel was righteous. You see, anytime you kill something righteous, there's a price to pay. This is why abortions in this land, we will have to pay for it. When you take out something innocent and shed innocent blood simply because you have a problem with it, because it doesn't fit your agenda, you will pay the price for it in eternity. And so here's Cain. He takes out his brother, and guess what? God's expecting him to answer for it. Where's your brother? And he says, who am I, my brother's keeper? You may not be his keeper, but you should love each other enough to know where your hearts are. Cain, Cain, Cain was too busy not looking at the sin that was crouching at his door that the Lord told him about. You see, we live in that world, and I'm going to close it right now. But this word mark in the Hebrew is the word oath, meaning omen or a miracle or an evidence or it's a flag. In other words, whatever this mark is, it doesn't necessarily mean it was visible necessarily on him, but it was possibly just something about Cain that would have kept people away from him because the Lord, when he put that mark on him, the people wouldn't touch him. I believe that it was something specific that they saw about him that they didn't want nothing to do with him for some reason. So God spared his life. Why? And here's why. Because I always wonder, why did God allow him to be spared? Because in those days, God would take you out if you, you know, because we weren't under law at that time. Because Cain actually, Cain actually acknowledged his guilt. He acknowledged his guilt. This is why God took out the rest of the people in the world during Noah's day, because they never acknowledged their guilt. They were too busy eating and drinking and being merry. They were doing things not to acknowledge their guilt. And at the moment they started knocking on the doors of that ark, guess what? They weren't asking for forgiveness. They were just saying, let me in. You see, this is, I'm going to close it right here. But we need to understand that the mark is Satan's seal over his converts, over his adherents. And this is why the, the mark is not only a copycat, but something interesting about those who take the mark is that not only are they completely under the Antichrist rule, but they can never get rid of the mark. See, they can never turn back. Because they've chosen to worship the beast. You see, so it's important to understand that you're going to, if you really begin to look through the revelations, you'll see a lot of things that are very similar to Christ. The only difference is, is that it's going to be manifested in the natural realm mostly. That's why it says he'll be prophesying with all signs, wonders, and lying. Actually, not wonders, lying wonders. What does lying mean? It means they're fake. But they're going to convince people. You know, I, I don't know if any of you, I, I, every once in a while, I, somebody will post on, like, my social media, and I'll, I'll see, like, these magicians. And, like, I was watching one. They were showing, like, some of the greatest magicians on uh, everybody's got talent. And so I was watching about 20 minutes of different episodes they were showing on this one media post. And I am amazed how they are able to do some, pull off some of those tricks. But you know why they're just tricks? Trust me. I've had people say, oh, that's satanic. Well, Maybe they serve Satan, but trust me, they aren't doing anything that they can magically appear. It's all an illusion. That's what a lying wonder is. He'll, he'll prophesy with all illusions. Satan doesn't have any power. We give Satan way too much credit. You have authority over him. 
And you know what's going to keep you from making the tribulation period? Is making sure that the Christ that you say you serve is legitimately sealed you up. I'm sealed. I mean, what do you do when you have something that you want to protect? If you have a safe, why do you put it in there? To seal it where nobody can get to it. Why do you, why do you put your food in like a, a baggie or something if there's leftovers? You want to seal it up to protect it so that way it'll last a little longer so you can eat it again later on, right? You seal it. Why do you think God puts over you an everlasting seal? Because he wants you to know, I've got you protected. The mark can't protect you. But I guarantee you, you if you take it, it's part of your identification with, with Satan. It comes with a promise. It comes with protection and purpose. But most of all, without it, there's no provision. You won't be able to live. Sustain yourself without it, because where are you going to get food? According to Scripture, almost all the world's food supplies during this time will be gone. God's going to destroy over one-third of the world's population. God's going to destroy one-third of the world's food. And guess where most of that food comes from? Right here in good old USA. There's nothing mentioned about USA in the end times. A lot of people say there is. I don't know. There's a lot of dispute on that. But after the tribulation, there's no proof that America will exist, really, in its normal fashion, normal form. I don't want to be here. I say we all go together. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Precious Lord, I thank you, Lord, for this message. I thank you, Lord, that the truths that you've given to us. I thank you, Lord, for the realities that, Lord, that you're teaching us so that way, God, we don't have to be a part of it in this ugly future that's ahead of us. But that, Lord, that you will protect and provide for us. Lord, you've already given us a purpose. And I pray, Lord, more than anything, that, Lord, that we do not accept the lies and the deceptions that the enemy is working so hard to get even believers to believe. But Lord, protect us. I pray not only is that seal of protection over us, but I pray, Father, a special protection over our minds in these last days. That, Lord, that you'd watch over us and protect us. And that, Lord, that we will not accept any false information that, Lord, that does not line up to your truth. I praise you, Lord, and I thank you, Lord, for these truths that, God, you've given to us, that they'd be self-evident in our lives, that, Lord, that we'd walk them and we'd live them and we'd share it and we'd speak it, that, Lord, that in every area of our life, Lord, spirit, soul, and body, mind, will, and emotions, that every part of our being, even the accesses and the recesses of our heart, are protected by the blood of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, and we receive that today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You all have a blessed week. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. Power Talk Podcast is brought to you by Powerhouse Church. You can listen on Spotify or download the Powerhouse Church app. If you would like to comment, need prayer, or want more information, contact us at powerhousechurch.us.